Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 359. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. How you holding up? Uh-huh. Yep. How, you, how you holding up? Yep. Good? Mm-hmm. All right. Good. Sure. Solid. This week on the show, we got two reviews lined up for you with Lorcan Finnegan's Vivarium and Bridget Savage Cole and Danielle Cruddy's Blow the Man Down. We'll also be going over some we're watching on the watch list and new releases on VOD and Blu-ray. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Please remember to, uh, to review us on iTunes if you get a moment. That'd be super helpful. Housekeeping notes here. Uh, there is going to be a new Ryan Watches movie coming out this week. Stay tuned for that. We had him watch Dread from 2012. Back at it. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Ryan seems to be in better spirits and he seems to really want to be recording new episodes just because it gets him off of the the covid train Mm -hmm. constant you know news watching and all of that so i'm hoping that we'll get in a in a good rhythm with that in the coming weeks that's really it for for housekeeping i think we can get into our first review i have vivarium up here do you want to do vivarium do it let's get that over with (laughs) Uh, I can already, I can already sort of see that we're that we're probably going to be. Do you, on have, the- <laughs> do you have any guess as to how I feel about Vivarium? So I have a synopsis here: a young couple looking for the perfect home find themselves trapped in a mysterious labyrinth-like neighborhood of identical houses. This stars Imogene Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. Now I, I have a review for this up on the site, and I. I did talk about this a couple of weeks ago on the show and I, mm-hmm. I, I said that I was not very impressed with it. So we'll, we'll start it with you, Kevin. I'm f- predicting that you're, you're in the same boat as me with Vivarium. Uh, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I don't a hundred percent remember what you said. I do vaguely remember you saying that, it, you know, one of these movies that has a pretty great premise, pretty good idea, but just doesn't really do anything with it. Or just kind of runs out of steam with it, which mm-hmm. I 100% agree with, because I actually watched uh, Vivarium over two two days, right? Kind of got split in the middle. So the first day, which is pretty much the setup, and them getting kind of left in this like neighborhood, and you know, like the first couple of days or whatever, first couple of weeks, that type of thing. You know, the baby shows up in the box, whatever. And then we stop. Now, at that point in time, I was pretty into it. I'm like, I, I like what's going on here. I don't understand why people are so upset with this movie or so disappointed with this movie. It's pretty fantastic so far. I'm really looking forward to the next day when we get to finish, right? Which is a pretty good sign, right? I just, I was really looking forward to seeing where Vibari goes. <laughs> Uh, the second day, which is when I found out where Vivarium goes, oh boy, it goes nowhere. (laughs) Just like it literally just becomes Jesse Eisenberg digging a hole. Yep. And Imogene Poots is like flustered. And that's it. And there's that kid just screeching all the time. And I just, I'm like, I'm not 100% sure what any of this means because there's the whole like the beginning of the movie starts off with the whole like brood parasite and birds thing and you're like okay well you know if that's the whole opening that must play into what's going on here and it does 
obviously there's a baby that's not theirs that they have to raise. Mm -hmm. But I have no idea like how that plays into like whatever they're trying to say about suburbia or like owning a house, you know, I don't like it doesn't make sense at all. It it feels like two very different themes that are that are at play here. There's the I mean, the the whole bird thing is so on the nose and it's so surface level. They go so far as to like showing us videos and telling us about, you know, the birds and how they sneak into other nests and have other birds raise their young. So that's like super on the nose, really, really out there for you to for you to grasp but then there's that underlying theme of like suburban hell and like the monotony of uh, trying to achieve and live the american dream and all of this stuff that that is there also the two i don't the two don't really coalesce. no they don't go together no no they're like i don't even know how the whole i don't know whatever the alien or whatever the hell the baby is, you know, I don't know like how that brood parasite thing, like it just, they don't go together and it doesn't make any sense. Like why, why are they there? Like, what are they? It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. There's little, little explanation as to anything about how this, this all plays out. So like, you know, with, with a lot of movies that, that have a, a compelling hook, like this you're you're waiting for this the, the reveal to happen you're waiting for like the twist to happen that says like oh they're on a spaceship the whole time you know like something something that explains what's happening here but there's like really no there's nothing there's no explanation and there's i, I don't find the like first of all you figure out early on that like this isn't we're not dealing with humans here. There's, there's, it's a, a different kind of entity that we're dealing with, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like that's that's the extent of the how how the reveal or explanation happens. Like, oh, yeah. okay, and yeah. I, and I think that's what throws it because, like, again, I'm not, I don't really understand because of what what happens at the end which I did appreciate it gets a little weird for like a minute, which got me kind of excited. It made me perk up in my seat again after, you know, watching Eisenberg dig a hole for like an hour and a half. I was like, all right, here we go. Now things are going to get fucking nuts, but it only happens for a little bit. And then, you know, to show this alien entity, like what their end game is, just, I don't, like that's it. That's all they're doing. That's all they do this for. Like why? Why do they do this? Right. Why are they here? It's like, no, I, like yeah. And I think that the making them like an alien entity is like what kind of throws it because it makes sense if like it was actual humans and you're like okay, what is the point of this? We're just making people to do, you know, to serve essentially the economy or you know consumerism or whatever, but to make them aliens kind of just undermines all of that and just makes it all superfluous. It's just, it comes off as being really stupid. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if it was, if, if they were just like regular people, it could feed into the whole like monotony of, of life, you know, the, the droll routine, the tedium of, of life, finding, finding a house, owning a home and, and just that, that sort of, you know, 
boring get yeah. having the kid and going to work and just the st- standard stuff of the domesticity of life and uh, but it doesn't it doesn't feed into that at, at least i didn't feel like it was really feeding into that no. and also like i just don't i i don't really understand or agree with the whole suburban hell motif like i just don't i don't see what the big deal is like if that's what they choose to do like why is that such a a horrible thing you know yeah yeah especially like like in this fashion the way it's presented here because it's so it's so um it's so basic and so just like dumbed down to where it's literally eisenberg finds purpose in digging a hole to absolutely nowhere and of course imogen poots has to deal with everything and then that's it like that's it there's <laughs> nothing else absolutely yeah. nothing else whatsoever yeah it's it's unfortunate i didn't think that the character arcs were very interesting either like i i thought that eisenberg's character was sort of an asshole from moment the first moment that we met him so it wasn't like I was really rooting for him to begin with. I, I thought that he was kind of a dick yeah. from the start. And so I was like, I, I don't really care what, what is happening to his character, at least. I, I have so little invested in this. But it, it's really unfortunate because the first act is is quite good. Like, it's very intriguing. You You want to know what's going on. I like the look of it, you know, how all the houses are the exact same and when they're driving around and trying to figure out how to get out of this and they keep ending up back in the same house and there were, there were some interesting things going on, but yeah, it just doesn't amount to anything at all, which is really unfortunate. It just seems like you wrote like the setup and then you just never got around to like an end, you know, like where, where does this progress to? It just, and it just stops. It just stops. I I think in my review I wrote that I think that this would have this story would have been better suited for an episode of like the Twilight Zone or something where it's shorter and you you could have you know made it more concise and presented it as an episode of a TV show where you still have that sort of those sort of underlying themes but also tighten it up a bit and yeah. not, not present it as a feature length film I just think it would have worked better as as something like that. Uh, all right. Would, any any closing thoughts on Vivarium? Uh, no, not really. It's a huge disappointment, though. Yeah. Such a weird experience to be so into it and so very excited to get back to it. And then when I finally did get back to it. So I gave this a 5 out of 10 in my review, which after doing this review, I feel like it was maybe a little bit too Wait. generous, but... <laughs> What are you going to give it out of 10? Oh, I'll give it like a four. All right. Yeah. I mean, production design's great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I like the look of it. Uh, So that is available now on VOD platforms. So you can check it out. Again, that's Vivarium. Let's move on and talk about Blow the Man Down. I have a synopsis here for this. Mary Beth and Priscilla Conley attempt to cover up a gruesome run-in with a dangerous man. To conceal their crime, the sisters must go deep into the criminal underbelly of their hometown, uncovering the town's darkest secrets. 
Uh, I have a review for this up on the site as well. I saw this a while ago at Tribeca. So we'll we'll start oh, yeah, this one perfect. with you too, Kevin. Uh, what were your initial thoughts on Blow the Man Down? Ooh, initial thoughts are, unfortunately, like I don't have like a very um, distinct opinion either way. Um, I did enjoy myself while I was watching it. Um, I There are a number of elements to this movie that make it stand out enough, I think, to, to warrant a look, you know, for me to recommend it as like a light recommend. But a lot of it does feel very familiar um, with the whole someone kind of accidentally gets killed. And then, of course, then they find some money. And then, of course, someone who's someone's going to come back for that money. And then they got to figure it out. You know, I, I feel like we've seen that movie. God knows how many times. But like I said, there's a there's enough here in terms of like the setting, the cast, the some of the decisions being made, like the the singing fisherman, which I thought was a really nice touch, mm-hmm. and how they kind of implemented that throughout the movie, not just the opening. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of gives that a little bit more of a distinction. You know, kind of stands out a little bit. But at the same time, like the base of it though. That that storyline that's in Blow the Man Down is pretty well worn, I think. But I think they do a good enough job with it. I just just not enough for me to make it truly memorable. Enough that it sticks out, but not truly memorable. Now, when I when I initially saw this at um, Tribeca, I I really loved it. I thought it was really really good. And I rewatching it now, I pretty much have the same feelings about it. I agree with you that it is a a narrative that we've seen many times over. Uh, I feel like the, the, the overall vibe of this movie has a little bit of uh, Fargo in it. You have, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely a Fargo vibe coming out of this movie, um, but that didn't necessarily bring it down for me at all. Yes. You have the, you know, them trying to hide the body and there's a, this like kind of, a criminal element to it in this town. And really the, a big part of the movie is the town itself and the, the, the colorful cast of characters that are, that inhabit the town. And that's what really did it for me at the end of the day. Like the, I thought that the, the characters in this were really strong, specifically the, the trio of women that essentially run the town. You have um, Marceline Hugo, uh, Inet O'Toole and June Squibb. And I thought that they were just so great in this. I, I love all three of them. And then you have Margot Martindale in there as the sort of villain of the town. She runs this bed and breakfast that all, that's also a brothel. And I just love the, the, the vibe of this, this whole movie. I, I thought all the characters were so strong and uh, yeah. And I think that's what, that's the, the thing about it that really works is that cast because they are great everyone you know the, the the women that run this town and kind of look they, you know they have an understanding with margot martindale's brothel but now they think that maybe we went a bit too far so they're kind of pushing back on it that type of thing and i, I think that 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 works that it's that it's good for the time being like when you're watching it it's great but again to me it just it doesn't there's not enough there to make it stick mm-hmm. i can understand that um one of the things that i also enjoyed was the 
the, the secrets that the town held. Like as you like early on, you you understand you you're the 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 whole brothel thing is revealed, but then you understand that later on you sort of learn how the brothel came to be, and that you know you you start to realize that like these women were essentially running this whole town, and they they were the ones who are basically controlling everything and there's other things that get revealed that I, I don't want to spoil, but um, I found that to be some of the more intriguing aspects of it. As you learn more, did I mention that is this? Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mention it's not in the synopsis that one of the big so, sort of the thing that kicks all of this off is that the, the sisters uh, played, played by Sophie Lowe and uh, Morgan Saylor, their their mother dies. And that's what sort of kicks this whole thing off. Uh, she was very sick. And then they, they end up inheriting the house and this, this uh, shop. And they realize that they're about to lose the house because the, their, mo- their mother was uh, pretty, pretty deep in debt. I love the, the town that this takes place in. For some reason, movies that take place in these like sort of small new england fishing towns i just it's like an immediate plus for me i don't know why yeah i just i love and I think the that, locale yeah and i think that's one of the things that really makes it makes it work makes it you know makes it a little more distinct mm-hmm. especially you know throwing in the, the singing fisherman just to really just to really steep it yeah you know some of the the, those scenes are are some of the few scenes with actual men in them this this a predominantly uh, female-led movie, yeah, which is also uh, a little bit of uh, a bonus too, which makes sense because you know all the guys are out, the men are out fishing, like they're out fishing, and while they're out fishing, all the women are basically the ones running the whole show. Yeah, so yeah, I I really enjoyed Blow the Man Down. I feel like this is a, a really, this is one of this year's sort of underrated films. I. I there was really nothing that came out about this. I don't know if it got any kind of like proper release in theaters or anything. And it just like kind of s- silently showed up on Amazon prime and you can watch it now for free. It's included with yeah. your prime membership. Which is weird because I think I just happened to, I don't know what I got on for. And I just happened to see that. And I was like, wait, I think I remember Adam really liking this. And I was, you know, kind of reading about it. And I was like, Oh, well, this sounds interesting. Yeah. So I, I hope that people find it and because I think that a lot of people are really going to enjoy this, but yeah, for some reason it just did not get much, much uh, like coverage or anything. I didn't see too many people talking about it, which is yeah, unfortunate which does, because I think it's a really solid it, movie. Yeah. It's kind of odd. Uh, you can read my full review on the, on the site. I have a full written review for this. Uh, I give it an eight out of ten. Now, after seeing it again, I will Man. I will recognize that there was a festival bump in there. Yeah. Re-eva- yeah. Reevaluating it, I probably would give it. I'd still give it a seven and a half. Okay. What do you What are you going to give it out of ten? I'm going to I'm going to say like a like a six and a half seven. All right. Again, that's available on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, blow the man down. Check it out. All right, let's talk about someone we're watching on the watch list. Kevin, I think it's your turn this week. Oh, okay. Okay. I have a, a short film here that's available right now for free on No Budge. I watched a number of short films on No Budge. This is the one that stuck out 
the most for me, the, the one that I enjoyed the most. That's called uh, Key for the Kid by Theo Lorenzen. Uh, this is only like four or five minutes or so. Uh, a short film comprised of completely of still photographs, a la Chris Marker. It kind of tells the story, and it, it does through, so through phenomenal editing. I mean, the editing this, the way they cut up the still photographs to create, you know, like action, movement, tension, that type of thing, really works. And the way they cut that also with the like the score and the sound design just works very very nicely great time you know four or five minutes great time spent and it's just this like a mother tries to find this like little key pendant type thing it's like flashing red light and it's kind of like a mystery as to what this thing is and of course she finds it and people are trying to take it from her and i mean over you know four or five minutes pretty phenomenal though all right cool and that's available on no budge so check it out on no budge for free uh, i saw the platform this is on netflix so you can see it on netflix it's directed by galder castello urutia so the premise of this one uh you have a prison and in this prison it is it's like a vertical prison so you have two inmates on each level and they're in a room that has like a sink and a toilet and beds very basic prison but the the thing that makes this unique is that there's a hole in the middle of the room and there's a platform that every day the platform will lower to each level and on the platform is all the food that they will get so it starts off on the top platform and they all share the food so it's this like really wonderful extravagant spread of food very very it's it's like very meticulously placed it looks very fancy very nice there's like caviar and and all of this really really high-end great quality food it's on nice china and you the the problem is for people on the lower levels they get all the scraps and so the way that it works is every 30 days you will wake up on a different floor and you never know which floor you're going to be on. So you could be really lucky and you're on one of the top floors and you get your pick of what food you want, or you could be really unlucky and get on one on the bottom floor and you basically get nothing. And Hmm. so it's about, it focuses on this one guy who actually signed up to be in there. So you have, it seems like maybe some people were forced to be in there or they're given choices where like you can go to prison or you can do this and people, so people choose to do that, but other people actually sign up to be in there. And then the main character of the film actually signs up because he's trying to quit smoking. So he, (laughs) so he signs up for this thing, but obviously he doesn't know what he's getting into. He has no idea like what this entails because I think when he first wakes up, he's on like one of the middle, he's like on 46 or something. So he's, he gets some food. It's gross, but he gets it. Um, But then later on, you find out that there are like literally hundreds of floors. So it, it goes to some really interesting places. I was getting some major cube vibes from it. And Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really unique and uh, it, goes to some really kind of gross places but still very entertaining so i would 
highly recommend checking out the platform on Netflix. Uh, I watched Kakira, A Piece of Our Life. This is directed by Momoko Ando, the director of 0.5 Millimeter, which is a movie from like two or three years ago, I think. It was actually like one of my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, I remember you really yeah. love that. Oh, God, I love it so much. So, track down her first movie, which is this. Uh, got an import DVD from uh, the UK. Fired it up there on my old uh, all-region DVD player. Do you, and Wait, do you still have the same uh, one that we had, like... No. Oh, no, God, say. no. <laughs> I was going to say, that was, no, like, that get, that'd be really no, that impressive. Yeah, I got died. That guy died. And I think the one that I have now is kind of on its way because it's, it's loud. I forgot how loud DVD players were <laughs> after I bought that guy. Um, but so this is her her uh, her first film. Uh, it's like a, a semi-sprawling slice-of-life dramedy, uh, not as long as 0.5 millimeter, which is like a three-and-a-half-hour-long movie. I think this one's more in the range of like an hour 45, something like that. Uh, it's about a young woman named Haru who is she's currently suffering in uh, a relationship with her boyfriend. It's a very unattentive man. Uh, doesn't appreciate her or value her in like any way whatsoever outside of sex. He just pretty much wants sex. That's it. And she ends up, um, she's at a cafe and this woman comes over and just kind of starts talking to her and everything. And she kind of becomes somewhat smitten with uh Ratko is the girl's name. She's a prosthetics maker. She likes to help people with missing parts, which plays into the, the relationship that they end up building. And uh, it's kind of Haru having difficulties leaving her boyfriend and fully committing to this relationship with, with Raikou because she's not 100% sure if she's, if she's gay so she's kind of like flip-flopping back and forth, but she does really enjoy the time that she spends with her and they have a great relationship and the chemistry between the two actors are fantastic. Great performances from both of them. Um, but the problem is, is that Raikou ends up kind of being a bit too attentive and essentially starts smothering her. So it's like, the, like she can't get like the in-between. She can't split the difference. She can't find someone that, you know, just, pays her enough attention and not too much and not too little. Um, and there's a nice use of like fantasy imagery that just kind of pops up out of nowhere, which works really well because it's used sparingly. Um, so it's kind of unsuspecting and surprising. And one of the, the, the main thing that I liked about it is the way in which it just, it just stops. It just kind of ends which is nice. There's like, there's no closure. There's no conclusion. It just kind of like drifts off at a certain point in time. You have no idea, like essentially how it ends, like how their relationship ends. It just, it's just done. Mm, sounds interesting. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. doesn't look like it was ever released I, in the U S no, no, it wasn't. But for some reason, the UK have a DVD. Hmm. All right. Uh, and that's a piece of our life. Uh, I saw Tread, which is directed by Paul Soleil. I'm just going to read the what the synopsis is on Letterboxd, because this is the best way to describe this movie. 
Pushed to his breaking point, a master welder in a small town at the foot of the Rocky Mountains quietly fortifies a bulldozer with 30 tons of concrete and steel and seeks to destroy those he believes have wronged him. Yes. And that's what that movie's about. It is literally about a guy who gets fed up with the people in his town walking all over him, or so he thinks, and buys a bulldozer, giant, giant bulldozer. And essentially turns it into this tricked out death machine, this giant tank that's completely bulletproof and pretty much unstoppable. And he just destroys the town with it. Huh. And that's the movie. So it's it's true crime doc. This is available on VOD, so you can rent this on like Vudu and I rent it on Vudu, but I think it's probably available on all the VOD platforms. Well worth a look. Really fascinating story. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it. This is, yeah. I would, I would highly recommend giving this a look because it is crazy. This guy is nuts. And he's a master welder, so he he, 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 he knows how to do it. Like he, know, he it's, yeah. it, This isn't like some crappy job like the, the, the this is a very advanced job that he does like he comes up with all of these scenarios and figures out like exactly how he needs to design and build this thing and like like he he does things like he greases up the back of it because he knows that people are probably going to try to climb climb in so he puts grease all over the back so they slip off when they try to climb on top of it and get in and just all, all of these little things that he he does, like he mounts cameras all over it so he can see like where where he's going because the whole thing is just encased in this like thick steel and it's all completely bulletproof. You know, they're trying to shoot him. He has, but he, there's like no way, like even the, the screen that he has that he looks out from, it's like bulletproof and he has like, he mounts um, like compressed air on the outside so that when it gets like fogged up or messed up, like he presses a button and it'll clear off the, the like little viewfinder thing so he can see. It's it's insane. It is it is, it is insane. Unbelievable. Yeah. So I, I would recommend checking out the documentary called Tread. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds all interesting. Mm hmm. I saw Red Moon Tide. This is, it was playing festivals. It played Berlin. Uh, this is Louis Patino directed. Um, and it was getting really good reviews. So, but who knows now? Who knows what, how things work anymore? <laughs> like if it'll ever play, like will we have festivals again? I don't know. Will it play at other ones? I don't know. Will it be released at some point in time, like VOD? I hope so. I mean, kind of capitalizing all the good press that it was getting. And uh, it's it's a very uh, intriguing experience. Um, it is, there's a fisherman in this Galatia town, this like coast town, um, that he drowns. And ever since he drowned, they think, you know, it was like a sea monster or something. Everyone in the town is just, stopped moving they just they they're either sitting standing just completely stationary there's no like active dialogue from these people like all their dialogue is 
presented through voiceover. So it's just a lot of um, stationary scenes, you know, like a lot like landscape paintings, really, the way that they're set up. Uh, they're very painterly in their composition. Uh, and it's very beguiling the way that this is this all plays out. And the only people that do move is there's three witches that come to the town. They kind of, their job is to essentially cleanse the town. So they go around to all these scenes and just drape all the residents in these white shrouds, just cover them up. And there's also, there, there's a dam in the town too that, you know, ever since the dam was put in, it's been, it's been bad things have been happening, right? So it's it's very experimental. It, it, it has witchcraft. It has sea monsters, curses, this dam that was put in that's ruining the town, all these things. It's just, it, it's pretty bizarre, but yet at the same time, it's transfixing. And I mean, it is just the imagery, the cinematography in this movie is just breathtaking. It's phenomenal. Hmm. Uh, so I was just reading some of the letterbox reviews for this and the one person says frozen two on tranquilizers yeah i mean i, I probably not but <laughs> i don't know what that means like i didn't see frozen <laughs> two but hmm. all right and maybe this is called red moon tide so yes keep keep a look out i guess when whenever this might come out who knows uh i saw bloodshot this is available now on vod this is one of these early you know, pushes to VOD. It was in theaters for a little bit and then very quick VOD turnaround after all the theaters closed down. This is directed by Dave Wilson. Ah, this movie's bad. Oh boy. Oh, uh, I, I, there's really nothing good that I can say about bloodshot. I pretty much hated it from start to finish. Maybe there's some cool looking design work in there, but that's really all I can say about it. I mean, Guy Pierce is in it and he was pretty cool, but everybody else was really bad. Like Vin Diesel was very bad in this. Maybe the worst I've ever seen him. It's, it's, um, I think that that might partially be due to the script being so poorly written. This is a superhero movie that feels like it should have been made in the mid nineties. It's got that kind of vibe to it like back when they were pumping out comic book movies left and right but they weren't like marvel or dc and they were just kind of like the the other one like the phantom and the shadow and dick tracy and uh fucking barbed wire and tank girl and all of these the crow the the big kind of indie comic book boom that that happened in the 90s this feels like it should be it's like a leftover from one of those but it's not fun like a lot of those movies are. You know, a lot of those movies are kitschy and have at least some nostalgia tied to them. Whereas this yeah. just is this is just ugly and boring, and I did not enjoy a single moment of it. So yeah, I do not recommend Bloodshot at all. Mm. Also, this is a weird thing I noticed, and maybe this is—I don't know if this is actually a thing or just because it was all like edited very poorly and, and maybe not mixed properly. Uh, but like everybody had these English accents and the English accents would often seem like 
they maybe didn't originally have an English accent and that the person's dialogue was was dubbed and they were given an English accent. It was really strange. Hmm. But it was well, now, it did, now there's literally there's a part of me that's the only reason I want to see this movie now. Yeah. Like I have no interest in and I know it's not gonna be good and I have no interest in what it's about. I'm just curious about this accent thing now. Yeah, it's really weird. I just want to know what that's about. I would what say, is that about? I would what say, is that? I would say if you want to see a cool movie that has a similar plot, just see, just watch Upgrade because it's a very similar thing to Upgrade. Basically, Vin, yeah. Vin, Vin Diesel is the soldier who gets killed and gets brought back, and he has these like nanites, these like nanobots in his body that that will repair him. So if he gets shot. The, the, the yeah, machines. That's yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yep. And he's, but he's also like a supercomputer, so he can like access the internet and stuff from his mind. And that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much Bloodshot. Hmm. Bloodshot. How about that? That's all I have. I'm actually fine. I don't know about you, but I'm finding it slightly difficult to watch movies. Like, I know I have all this time, and it's like, I should be, I, I can watch whatever I want. But at the same time, I'm just like, I don't want to. Like, I, for whatever reason, it's, I'm finding it very difficult to sit myself down. Yeah. To the, watch a movie. That, that, that exact thing happened to me yesterday where I'm like, oh, I have all these movies that I can watch. And I ended up just watching Ozark, the new season. And yeah. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't talk about Tiger King on here. Have you started watching Tiger King yet? Well, that, yeah, that's another thing that's made it slightly difficult. Because I started Tiger King, yeah, and uh, that's a that's Whiplash. That's a Whiplash show right there. I mean, just I'm just all over the place. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. Some of it's the funniest shit I've ever seen in my life. Some of it's just the most ridiculous. Like, like it just starts off. You know, the first episode is like, hey, these people have exotic animals. They're kind of fucking nuts, right? And you're like, yeah, they are. These guys are fucking crazy. And then the second episode is like, oh, yeah, like, they're kind of a cult, too. They're, they're cults. And it's like, oh, damn, they're abusing people and taking advantage of them. That's fucked up. And then, you know, it's, you should she killed her husband and fed him the tires. And you're just like, what the fuck? What the, where else can we go? <laughs> like, how are we going so many different places? It's wild, man. It is wild. And... I- I was already familiar with Joe Exotic. Like I remember, I remembered the the John Oliver bit that he did when he talked about Joe Exotic. But there was also, and I can't remember what series it was, but there was a documentary series that came out a few years ago that profiled Joe Exotic. And I can't mm. remember the series, but I remember that like that was my introduction to that to that guy. And I was like, hey, man, this guy is nuts. It was before like the whole murder for hire thing and all of that. So, yeah. Which is actually the other thing that still is I'm having trouble wrapping my head around because like I came to the realization of that last night smoking a cigarette after watching the fourth episode. And I'm like, wait, this whole thing is actually supposed to be about the murder fire, which we haven't really gotten to yet, but which also feels like fucking a nothing of an issue compared to everything else. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how is that the, how is that the centerpiece? It, given everything else that I've learned 
it, it gets it just gets progressively crazier as it goes like it it's so it's so wild man all right let's take a look at what we have coming out this week and obviously nothing in theaters that's still a thing that i can't seem to get over the fact that there are no mm-hmm. no, no theatrical releases anymore it's so strange on VOD, we have Streetlight Harmonies coming out on March 31st. I believe this is a documentary on doo-wop music. All right. Uh, on April 1st, we have How to Fix a Drug Scandal. That's a Netflix documentary. Then on the 3rd, we have Rogue Warfare The Hunt. I, th- I think that's actually a sequel to something. Mm-hmm. We have Slay the Dragon. That's a documentary about gerrymandering. We have Shooting Heroin. We have The Other Lamb. That's a horror film. We have Almost Love. I think that's a romantic comedy from the looks of it. We got Coffee and Kareem. That's on Netflix. That is a it's a comedy with Ed Helms. It's a buddy cop comedy or something. Ed Helms coming back. They're gonna try Ed Helms again, huh? It looks pretty bad, so I, I don't know. And you remember when he was like in a decent amount of movies? Yeah, yeah, he was like as a leading as a leading person. Mm-hmm. I remember he Trying was make- he was in this movie called The Clapper, which I saw at Tribeca years ago, and it was so atrocious. It was so bad, and that was like the last time. That was like the end of it for him. Uh, finally, we have Clover coming out. Also, that looks like some sort of action film. What about, because, uh, oh, never mind. Wait, no, you're doing VOD. Yeah. Because uh, that's all that exists nowadays. <laughs> the Hitman movie. Doesn't that come out on the third? It does, yeah. Uh, so, I, I always forget the freaking name of it. Never. Never, never, rarely, sometimes. Always, yeah. Never, rarely, sometimes, always. That does come out on VOD on Friday. I just don't have it on the calendar because it did actually get a theatrical release uh, a while, yeah. a little bit ago. But that's that's one that uh, I would probably recommend and one that we'll probably be covering next week. Hell yeah. On Blu-ray, uh, the big one is they're releasing a Star Wars box set that includes all of the all of the trilogy movies. So all three trilogies nine movies it is a best buy exclusive but it looks like a really impressive box set not i'm not gonna get it but <laughs> for for, for star wars fans not impressive enough i mean it's huge it's like a huge box set. Like, i don't have room for that i just don't have room for that uh we also have malabimba from 1979 that's coming out on vinegar syndrome we have hell riders from 1984 vfw is coming out. That's the Joe Bagos one that came out earlier this year. Just a couple months ago, actually, that one. Uh, I would recommend that. That's a pretty solid one. We got Hollywood Horror House from 1970. That is also on Vinegar Syndrome. We got Bones from 2001 starring Snoop Dogg. Remember that one? Bones. Bones. I remember our friend Josh was really into that movie, Bones. 2001 Bones. Yeah. Uh, the Current War is coming out. That's the one with uh, Michael Shannon and Benedict Cumberbatch. The Tesla Edison one. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little weird <laughs> when that one was. 
that was. Oh, God. Avenging Angel from 1985 is coming out. That, I believe, is also on Vinegar, Vinegar Syndrome, as is Angel from 1984. So you got Angel okay. and then Avenging Angel. Angel's the first one, and then Avenging Angel is the second one. You also have Angel 3, the final chapter from 1988 coming out. Mm. It looks like they're releasing the the ring collection again that's an arrow release i don't know if these are like individual ones that they're now releasing but the the original set came out a while ago because i covered that uh standing up falling down from earlier this year is coming out that's a comedy with billy crystal and um uh his name schwartz ben schwartz ben schwartz i did not enjoy that that's pretty much it what about criterions this week Oh, well, we got two. First one is Jane Whale, uh, 1936 showboat, Paul Robeson vehicle. Got a bunch of uh, special features on there, new commentary, interview, new documentaries and such. So you got that. And then you got The Prince of Tides from 1991, Barbara Streisand. Mm. And uh, in terms of uh, special features for this guy, um, a lot, just too many that I'm not going to go through. I mean, it's a ridiculous list here. You have to actually scroll. I can't get all of them onto the screen at once. Wow. Loaded. Loaded. Fucking loaded for this. People that love the Prince of Tides. Tom Wingo. I don't like that. I remember I saw that when I was younger, and I really hated it. I have no interest whatsoever. None. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider giving us a review on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Reichstraw, my name's Adam Patterson. Stay safe. Wash your hands. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.